Tokusatsu, taking the form of many shows including Super Sentai, Kamen Rider, and Metal Heroes. And today, a group of fans come together to review it for you as Toku Secrets. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Toku Secrets Podcast, presented by AnimeSecrets.org. I am your host, Nathan Desa. And today we are going to be continuing our journey of a samurai as we take a look at episodes 11 through 20 of Samurai Sentai Shinkinger. Um, a brief recap of uh, Shinkinger before we jump right in. Um, last time we were in Shinkinger, we took a look at Acts 1 through 10, where we were introduced to our main five Shinkingers, which include uh, Tekeru Shiba, or Shinkin Red. He is the lord of the samurai group uh, and the current head of the Shiba clan. And uh, his four vassals, which include uh, Ryunosuke Ikenami, uh, or Shinkin Blue, uh, Mako Shirashi, or Shinkin Pink, Chiaki Tani, or Shinkin Green, and Kotoha Hanaori, or Shinkin Yellow. And together they are Samurai Sentai Shinkinger. And uh, so far we've ju just been revolving around their conflict against the, uh, against the uh, Gedoshu, evil spirits from the Sanzu River. Um, we've learned quite a bit about their characters and we'll go into more depth on them uh, in this video. No real need to uh, recap with that. So uh, with that being said, uh, we're going to jump into... Uh, our first two acts, which are kind of a two-parter, and I'm going to actually, uh, but of course, uh, before we do that, I also got uh, a couple of other guys that are on here. So uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, guys. Hello, I'm one of the other guys. <laughs> um, Patrick here. <laughs> Hello, I'm one of the other, other guys, and I'm Ridzwan. <laughs> and uh, I'm also Anthony. Uh, same uh, chicken green, I guess you could say. <laughs> He's the other, 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 other guy. guy. We got a, other, we got other, a yeah. right here. I'm Shinkin Silver. Rizwan is Shinkin Black. I think that's what you decided on, Riz. Uh, yeah, I'm Shinkin Black. Patrick is Shinkin Red, and that makes Anthony Shinkin Green, I guess. Shinkin Red. And you're Shinkin, yep. you're Shinkin Silver, right? Yes, that's correct. Wait, wait, what did you say? If I actually was a Shinkin Silver, my Mojikara would be Ice, just to let you guys know. You know. So I guess that means Riz would have darkness. Yeah, I'm done with that. Sitting in, sitting Yami. imagining a Shinkin Silver outfit, that thing would look hideous. Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Black would be kind of cool. It would. It would. Anyway, we're going to jump right in. So uh, I'm going to let uh, Patrick uh, take a look at um, episodes uh, 11 through 12, kind of a two-parter. So go ahead, Patrick. Um, this is the, it's a two-parter that kind of wraps up what I would consider the opening arc of the series. Uh, Dokaku learns that uh, Shinkin Red is a descendant of the Shiba clan. Therefore, he knows something called the Sealing Spell, which is what his uh, Takaru's ancestor 
sort of tried to do with him. He did an incomplete version of the a ceiling symbol, and it didn't fully seal Dokaku away. He just temporarily sealed him away, which is why he's back now. So upon learning this, he sends every single Sagoon he has after Taguru specifically to try to take him out to make sure the ceiling symbol can't be used on him again. Um, because of this, the other Shinkenders start to worry about him, thinking that all they need to double down their protection of him. But Takuru doesn't want want them to get in the way because he doesn't want to burden himself if anything were to happen to them. So when they uh, get called out, when uh, one of their alert systems go off, uh, the monster that Dokuku sent after them uh, specifically calls out Takuru, and he has to fight him off by himself. And he gets beaten up pretty badly in the fight. Uh, so when he goes for killing blow, uh, Ryosuke and Kodaha jump in the way and take the blow for him, which uh, Takuru doesn't handle too well. And as he's coming, as the monster's coming in to uh, finish them off himself, uh, Juzo comes out of nowhere and fights him off, saying he wants Takuru for himself. So there's a, a three-way brawl between these three. It kind of ends with the monster escaping, Juzo telling him that he wants Takuru to fight him at his fullest because he sees him as the true opponent that him and his sword uh, basically crave for. Uh, Ryosuke and Kodaha in serious uh, pain at this point, and Takuru leaves because he feels guilty for those two getting hurt. Uh, the second part of it starts off with uh, G realizing that he's gone and says that Takuru's probably just out trying to find himself because the stress of having, I guess, other people's lives in your hands was a little bit too much for him. Um, and this is the point that Mako brings home to Chake when Chake kind of sees it as like more of a celebrity status and it kind of rubs her the wrong way. So while Takuru is out there, he runs into a kid who's kind of down on his luck and he cheers him up and kind of sees the point of going on because he sees how happy the kids are. So when the monster comes back, the other Shinkenders join up with him and he basically realizes that not only does he want to put their trust back in himself, but he wants to put his life in their hands as well as like a maybe more of a I want to do this Lord thing my way kind of deal. So they fight him off, uh, summon Shinkano and com uh, complete the, the new upgraded Tenku Shinkano, which allows the thing to fly, and they get their kill. Takuru comes back, everybody's happy. Uh, I know that's kind of a very brief overview of what we're doing here, but um, yeah, it's it's a good two-parter for uh, Takaru because it it does explain his whole hesitancy on wanting them here because the burden of having people his lives in his hands where they could die for him and he doesn't see the point of it. I can understand why that would get to him, in all honesty. Mm -hmm. 
what do you guys think about all this? Any points of discussion you want to latch onto here, Riz? I know you're going to be the first one to try to say something. <laughs> first off, let's well, say something positive first. Yes. So, if Anthony or Nathan want to go first, they can. Uh-oh, he's got something. <laughs> I've got mm -hmm. not, not much to say. I think this was a pretty good episode. I think it's, uh, I think it's pretty good. Uh, just knowing uh, stuff about Takeru's backstory that I can't really uh, say right now because I don't want to spoil it for the people. I think this is a good progression. A uh, little... Um, uh, but yeah, I think it's a pretty solid two-parter. Not a, I don't. I feel like it does show Takeru to be a little bit of a better person because you know we see him playing around with like a kid to try to help him cheer up. So I think it's pretty good. It's pretty standard, but enjoyable. I I have to agree with Nate on this one. Um, there wasn't really a whole lot to say. I mean, the combination with both uh, Daitekuo and Shikino was actually pretty cool, so. Um, the ability to fly is always a nice addition. Oh, oh, obviously, of course. <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, it was a pretty pretty good episode. A two-parter, I should say. So, I have enough to say. The floor is yours. So, for me, it wasn't a bad episode series, actually. Um, the reason I wanted to... Um, comment a little bit on here is not necessarily to trust Takaru, but to comment that this is a common trend we see whenever he's around that he he doesn't want to involve people and I get it, like he's trying to be this noble badass that just does everything himself but I hate that about his character because He's supposed to be the leader of the group, but yet he has this baggage that I'm certain we're going to get to as Nate alluded to later on mm -hmm. that explains why he has this problem. But I, he's not demonstrating what I would want from a red in terms of leadership here. Because the leader should be able to kind of, you know, delegate or at least collaborate a little bit. I mean, I, this is probably my inner psychologist talking here, but given his, you, we can assume from his past that he's basically been sheltered inside the Shiba house for practically his whole life. He probably has no social skills. <laughs> I mean, so. yeah, that, that's, that's a huge part of it. I mean, we'll see some of that in later episodes we talk about today. Yeah. Um, and I have a lot to say there, definitely. Mm. But I mean, I'm not, I'm not trusting him. I'm not saying he's hot garbage just yet. I mean, though he is hot garbage in general as of right now, there is, there isn't anything here that he's done that's just like, no, I don't like this guy anymore. He's just terrible, terribly written. He's annoying. He's arrogant. He's, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I see the trend that he's struggling to be that guy that he thinks he has to be. And he's got a lot to overcome as a character in terms of um, what he needs to learn to be, to be a proper red. 
Yeah. And I think that phrase I just yeah. said will be really important later on. Yeah, because in yeah. a way, kind of summed up the main point of the whole season. Like, that's yeah, that's the journey. And this yeah. is the first step in doing that because we kind of get insight into his way of thinking for the first time and kind of we and, get it. We and see, not it's not it, but we get it. I mean, I get why he's like that. I really do. But I can't tell you guys I like this character. Yeah. Because quite honestly, I don't. I mean, he, there are several other reds across PR and Sentai that I'll put above him right now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. in terms of, like, red leadership, he's not that great. Um, in terms of general red rangers we've had, on both sides of the fence, Japan and America, he's nowhere near top five, top ten in my book. To me, right now, as as he stands at like episode ten, eleven, um, he he just hasn't done anything to make him stand out. He's kind of mediocre at this point and that's kind of depressing because i know he's going to turn into something great but seeing him be this mediocre nondescript red with not many good features going for him right now is kind of difficult for me to enjoy the season as of like this point uh sorry <laughs> you, you can, you can comment i mean i'm, I'm all for it I just can't picture Takaru and mediocre in the same sentence. It just doesn't. It, it just makes my brain just go. I didn't say trigger. It's like we said this at nauseum in the last video, but yeah, our perspective is different than his, and it's difficult for us to talk about it in full at this point. Right. But yeah, at this point. Through Riz's perspective, I I one hundred percent understand why he's saying what he's saying. Because I told Riz this before we started this video that this is a a full course thing. Like you need to have seen it from start to finish to, and then look back at it in hindsight and then piece everything together that way. He hasn't consumed the whole thing yet. So at this point, yes, I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I I get why y'all like it because I can guess based off a of samurai why y'all like Takaru. I don't know the full meat and potatoes of what happens, but yeah, you know, I, I know it's a direct one to one adaptation, so I get it. But yeah, don't... it's also difficult for me to latch on and say. Yeah, this guy's great at episode 10 or 11 yeah, or whatever. Yeah. I don't think you're supposed mm. to at this point either. Yeah. And I mean, I agree. I mean, look, later in this review, I'm going to say some other stuff, but I'll, I'll wait until we get there to say it. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. All right. So, 13. And that... Uh, this episode is called The Heavy Cries, and I'm going to give this one to Rizwan. So go ahead, Riz. All right. So here we have a Mako-centric episode. Um, 
This episode begins with Mako doing everyone's favorite thing in the world. She is cooking dinner for the team. And everyone, everyone's just, yes, that noise that you made, that is live footage <laughs> from Indusenken House. That is yes. a live view of how people feel right now. I know it's wrong to interrupt when we're going over things, but this is the I, I'm funniest, sorry, this is the funniest running gag in the whole season. Every time she it is cooking, the others just panic instantly. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's so, so dramatic too. <laughs> oh god. What's going on? She's doing it again. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, so Mako is a terrible cook for those that don't remember. And see, it's revealed by Kotaha that Mako really likes cooking because she wants to be a bride one day. And we touched on this in an earlier episode. I think it was like, um, seven or something. I don't remember the exact number, but it happened earlier on in the wedding episode um, where we talked about she lamented that I want to be a bride. So this is a continuous in a dad story in a way. And she wants to be a mother. She wants to be a bride. She wants to use her motherly nature. Um, okay. So while Mako's out stopping, um, as she will, uh, she comes across more to Ayakasi, and this time, their scheme to take over the world and flood their rivers to come back to the mortal lands um, is to create illusions of children for the mothers of other children, which in turn makes them abandon their real children for these... I'm going to call them avatars, because that's the best I can do for like a description, unless you'll have a better suggestion for a name for them, but... Like... That that just seems appropriate here. Um, and so, in doing so, they leave behind their own kids, and this is the ploy to get more tears to flow to rivers to make the kids cry, and the kids are crying. Uh, the Senkenshi respond. Takara, Ryunosuke, and Siaki get bogged down with more of these little children attached to them. Uh, so they can't attack or remove them without hurting the kids, because who wants to hurt kids? That's it's not cool. So they're trying their level best to do something without, you know, hurting the kids, but also to make progress in doing what they have to. Um, so Ji and Kuroku try to keep the kids calm, while Kotaha and Mako try to entertain the kids to keep them safe. Um, during this, Kotaha notices Mako got hurt, fighting the, uh, Ayakasi. And while Mako says, I'm fine, it's very obvious at this point, she's bleeding, she's not doing well. Stuff's about to get real. So, um, Mako's lamenting that she was never able to have a real childhood, uh, partly because of all the family responsibilities and just life wasn't easy for her growing up with the responsibilities that she had um, in the future. So um, Kotaha tries to offer her the comfort to say, like, look, you're doing great. You're fantastic. You will be a mom when the time's right, and you'll be a damn good one. 
all while everyone's thinking, just don't cook. Just please don't cook. Um, the uh, they fight off the Ikasi and episode will ends with the kids getting reunited with their mothers and the Senkinsers actually enjoy dinner by Mako for the first time. Though, as it turns out, uh, it's the stuff that Kuroko made that's the enjoyable part. So, that's the gist of the episode. What do y'all think? Because I thought it was a sweet little episode to give Mako some more life. I mean, get used to it because of the out of the six, and yes, I say six, we'll get to him in a little bit, she's probably the one who gets the least amount of attention throughout the season, so episodes like this are kind of <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. That's one of my biggest problems with Mako, is she's the neglected character by the writing staff. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate this episode. Um, the only other thing I'll say is that uh, I think... Um, the beginning of this episode is the highlight when uh like someone whispers something into into Tekeru's ear and it's like and it's like what? And then and then it shows Mako starting to cook. Like that is legitimately funny. Like it's hilarious how you know, even though Shinkinger doesn't really focus on like Shinkinger doesn't really do the whole like get it, Mako can't cook joke that much, but when they do it it's hilarious. Like I said in my last video, it's a running gag that they do in almost every episode in Samurai, but it's just not funny after a while. Like, oh my god, get it? She's doing all these stupid recipes. Isn't that funny? No, it's not. Huh. Are you entertained yet? Are you entertained yet? What is it? Takuru Kotaha and Ryosuke, like, peeping through the door, just talking uh-huh. in fear. Yeah while watching her cook is hilarious. <laughs> um, but the thing about this episode that I... I just love how the three guys get taken out of this episode by dudes in, in uh, those uh, full body suits just hugging them the whole time. I don't know, there's just something visually hilarious about this whole episode. <laughs> Like I know, I know that's missing the whole point of the episode, but visually, this episode is hilarious. Mm-hmm. What about you, Riz? You what, did you want to say anything else? Really enjoyed it because, again, I love Mako and Kotoha. They're like the sweetest things in the world, and probably some of my favorite parts of the season. Um, them and Siaki are really badass. And I just like any episode where I can see the characters grow more character-wise, and uh, Mako definitely, I felt she had some good growth here. We got to explore more of an existing storyline, so that was cool. It wasn't just, you know, a one-off thing in episode 8, you said, Anthony, I think. So that was really nice to see that we're continuing to delve more into that. But uh, that's all I got, and we can move on to the foreign samurai. Bye. Right, this is What was that, Anthony? I never got to talk about my, my opinion on the episode. <laughs> sorry about that. Oh, I'm sorry. 
your opinion is that Tucker is hot garbage. No. <laughs> what I was going to say was that um, this was actually a good episode. Um, it was the fact that, like, you had to, like, it was nice to have the girls kind of, like, have their own little victory instead of just having to rely on the guys to help them out and stuff. Um, it was also very funny the fact that, like, Tucker and the others had to play, basically play as parents. To, to calm these kids down because the more they upset the, the, the children that's on their on their bodies, the more heavier they get. And it gets tiring to, to, to you know have them on you and it just it's just it's just funny to me. So but other than that, yeah, that's that's my that's my opinion. So on to the next one. All right, Nate with the foreign samurai. Okay, uh, this is Act 14, The Foreign Samurai. It's a filler episode that revolves around uh, Ryunosuke. Um, and uh, and uh, just so you guys know, this is probably the episode that uh, inspired Bulk's character dynamic in Samurai. Just a bit of a... Uh, but we'll go into that a little bit more in a second. So in this episode, uh, Ryunosuke uh, gets approached by this American man that... Uh, he that apparently got saved from an Ayakashi attack back in Act 7. His name is Richard Brown, which is one of the most American names ever. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he's still with the love for Japan, and he, you know, idolizes the Shinkinjers and wants to become a samurai too, so. kind of a, he wants to leave Richard Brown, but then when the Ayakashi attacks again, Richard Brown shows up with this helmet, calling himself Shinken Brown, which is probably the closest thing I think Sentai is ever going to get to a Brown Ranger, just at least as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, uh, he, um, you know, he gets hurt in the middle of the battle, but Richard Brown encourages them to never give up. They defeat the Ayakashi with Tinku Shinkano, and then Richard Brown decides to return to America, to America and uh, start spreading the samurai lifestyle. Um, so yeah, this is a pretty, uh, pretty funny episode. I, uh, um, I love this yeah. episode, honestly. I mean, first of all, like I said, like let's be honest, this is the episode that kind of inspires like the whole character dynamic of Bulk and Spike and Samurai. And yet, even though this doesn't become a running gag, it's actually a lot fun. Like Bulk and Spike are probably one of the better elements of Samurai, but Richard Brown is still pretty funnier than they are. You take that back. My Bulk is amazing. <laughs> oh yeah, but. Um, 
Yeah. Which of them? No, I. What? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Everything the word. Okay, I'll go. Well, I was going to say was that, like, I'm actually surprised that they didn't actually adapt this episode and make it into a bulk episode, surprisingly. I, that that shocked me. But I think it might have something to do with, like, the monster. Maybe it feels like they were like, oh, well, we can't have a monster that's, like, you know, shooting fire everywhere. That that We, we can't have that. So I guess they skipped it maybe for that reason. Yeah, probably. Uh, Patrick? Uh, yeah. yeah th this episode is just... It's a, it's a fun, feel-good episode. It doesn't really progress anything anywhere. Fine. Not every episode needs to. Um, It's just a funny, laid-back... You know, you can't hate this guy. Let's be real. You can't hate him. Uh, you want to bet? <laughs> <laughs> they did for a little bit. <laughs> Pass me, boy. No, I love the character, but I'm saying I don't think the rest of the cast would agree with you. I know, but I mean, I'm not talking about their, about our perspective. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> he was okay. Um, you and your damn logic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a habit I can't break. Um, I mean, you could if you tried harder. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> Is but there is there's one question I have to ask. Is this the same guy who played uh for you Cyan? I was so, wondering the same thing. I don't, I don't believe it is. It's not Robert Caldwell. He looks just like him though. Oh. Are you saying all Americans look the same? <laughs> yes. <laughs> How's it feel now? All these white Americans as in you as a as a basic as heck white American guy, yes. Okay. <laughs> I will accept that for the moment. Joke's on you. We saw ourselves here <laughs> in Toka Secrets. <laughs> uh, he wasn't in. He wasn't an episode. This actor wasn't an episode of uh of uh Tokuger, but no, it's not the same guy that played uh Ramirez. I don't remember him in Tokyo's or what? Just some fairy tale character, I guess that's what it says. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. and uh, also, uh, quick note, because I know um, it you wasn't did? really like a big deal in the episode, but like the reason why um, Mr. Brown had known about the Shikinjus was because of the, the Ryosuke episode where he healed everybody with the uh, Kajiki uh, origami. Because he was there when it happened. Yeah. Continuity. <laughs> He's like, wow, they're 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 shikinjers. That's cool. I was here the whole time. <laughs> Anything else on this episode? Nah. No, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm just memeing with the brown ranger here. <laughs> Okay, well, next up we have Act 15, The Imposter and the Real Deal's Arrest. And, uh, Anthony, you haven't had an episode yet, so uh, go ahead and take it away. Alrighty. Episode 15, The Imposter and the Real Deal's Arrest. 
Um, basically, this is the uh, episode where Chiaki uh, <laughs> is having a really, really kind of a bad day here. Um, so basically, he's trying to learn how to catch a sword with his bare hands. And he's failing miserably. And it gets to the point where, like, Rinosuke and, like, Chiaki kind of glided a little bit. Because he just Chucky's just, just is not able to get it and he keeps hitting his head against, you know, the the bamboo. So if you imagine like being hit with this with an actual sword, that would actually hurt. And the Ayakashi of the of the week, I should say, um, he has the ability to transform into different people. And so he ends up transforming into like different people and uh while Chucky's out training, he ends up uh meeting this new Ayakashi, but didn't know we could transform into people. So when he fought him, he ended up getting his head uh head injured and is unconscious for most of the most of the, of the fight. And he and the Ayakashi goes, hmm, I could turn myself into into Chiaki and cause a whole bunch of trouble. And so he turns into Chiaki. And when the Shikinjers arrive, they think it's him. And he ends up just treating them like garbage, like, oh yeah, like I'm gonna be a total dick to, dick to y'all and not give a crap about my dudes as Shikinjers. And so when he comes to when like whenever you see the real Chiaki show up, they're like, dude, what the heck, you're being a, a, a being hot garbage right now. So it's basically just the episode where like Chiaki's being treated like crap because they think it's him, but it's not him. It only gets to the point where the monster kind of messes up and basically kind of like exposes itself for a quick second. Chucky sees this and he's able to like defense the other that like, oh yeah, he's definitely not me. We need to get this guy. So Jackie comes up with, with a very elaborate plan, trick the Ayakashi in thinking that oh we he lured the Shinjas into a trap, but actually in reality him and tricking the Ayakashi and was able to not only defeat it, but was actually able to catch the, the sword, the, the sword hand trick that he was trying to learn earlier in the episode. He's able to do it, and he's able to actually defeat the Ayakashi and win the day. I'm say, this is a really good episode, but like, I'm not gonna lie to you, I was a little kind of pissed at everybody else, because not because I get the fact that like they thought it was Shaki, but like, you really think that he'd be that Childish and to do that without, you know, uh, actual reason to do it. And like, they should have just known Chunky better than that. And they did apologize to him and they said, Oh, well, we're sorry. We thought you were, you were doing all that stuff, but you were. So it's, it's fine. It was a good episode. Yeah. Thanks, Chunky. <laughs> um, Anybody else want to make a comment on this episode? Uh, like it's it's okay. I, yeah. I feel like that this episode was trying to be a character development episode for somebody, but it wasn't. It wasn't a strong episode for me. Um, I, I just I wasn't really into it. It didn't flow, I guess is the right way to put it. Yeah. Like, it felt like it should have been a character development episode for Chake or Ryosuke or something, but it just was kind of more of a let's make fun of 
Chucky for yeah. an episode. Episode. Yeah, they were treating him like and crap. That wasn't... This whole episode. Yeah. I was like, dang. Yeah. Well, okay. So here's my thing. I'm tired of. I'm tired of everyone crapping on Siaki. Dang. He honestly is. He's actually a good character. I like him a lot. Same here. Because he's, because he he's kind of the rebel of the bunch, and that makes him a little bit more interesting dynamic wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this isn't the kind of dynamic I was that he's supposed to be here for. Like this. No, this, he. Like this really felt like one of those episodes. Like, like well, we need to put an episode here. We don't know what to do. Let's just make something up and go with it. <laughs> this episode earns the title yeah. of Hot Garbage. Not just shocking because of, because they're treating her like garbage in this episode. Let's just get that. This is this is make sure we know, get that straight. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move on to uh, episode uh, fifth, uh, sixteen. The power of the Kuroko. Uh, go ahead, Rizwan. Okay, so here's another filler episode, and we're going to have a lot of focus on three characters, Ryanosuke, Chiaki, and Kotoha. The episode opens with Ryanosuke, Chiaki, and Kotoha trying to practice their mozakari, and they make a lot of mistakes while practicing, and they cause one of um, the Kuroku to drop a, va- a vase and break it. And Lee tells them it's to learn more from Kuroko because Kuroko can be seen in public helping people and being this uh, stand-up citizen just doing everything right and going out of way to help people and do acts of goodness. Um, and this is the way to, you know, improve all that. So the next day during an attack um, by the Ayakasi, the Senkens uh, are having trouble breaking through the uh, harder, uh, like, through the cell of this character of the uh, enemy. And while this is going on, Tiaki and Kota are getting distracted when they see Kuroku is helping civilians get away from the, during the battle. Um, and it comes out after that Takura and Mako reveal that Kuroku is helping the Senkens in battle by evacuating the citizens because they can't battle due to the lack of Mojikata, realizing that Kuroko is there to help, but she needs to also protect in her own way. So they stop trying to do these acts of good that they've been forcing themselves to do because it's not it's not enough. They have to find their own way to do it and emulating Emily and Kurt doesn't do it a trick. So the Ayakasi attack again. Um, and this time we see Kuroko address Sinkenzers up in their, uh, before the Henson. And they announce their names and all that stuff. And they use a tag team attack with their Majikata to crack the Ayakasi cell to defeat him. And they are able to use a similar thing with their auxiliary origami. Episode ends with everyone admiring the work of Kuroku, and Z tells them, um, tells them off when uh, he accidentally breaks another vase. 
because he breaks another right after and it's hilarity. But so the the main thing in this episode really is just talking about the characters attempting to learn to be better samurai and also highlighting how Kuroko is always there to help those around her. Thoughts? So a weird... Go ahead, Patrick. This this is one of those episodes that you look at and you think, well, this isn't necessary. Mm-hmm. But then when you actually watch it, it's it's nice to have because it adds to the lore of the season a little bit. Like, seeing what everything they actually do, because you like, well, what do they do? They just dress them up and put up a banner for them while they're, you know, changing? Well, no, they're actually doing more than that. It it kind of opens up your perspective of this season's world and the workings of the Shinkenger uh, organization as a whole. And for that, it's real nice. Like, it's it's not an episode you'd expect out of a show like this, but it's a welcome one. It's different and fun in that regard. Yeah, I mean, it just, to me, it wasn't a serious episode. It was comedy, in my opinion, mm-hmm. anyway. It was an in-universe, behind-the-scenes episode. <laughs> Dude, that's a really good way to put that. I like that a lot. A weird uh, fact about this episode, though. Um, so, when Samurai adapted this episode... Um, so, here's the funny thing. Samurai did adapt this episode, but it was adapted during their second season. At which point, the, Shin- the Samurai Ranger, the Gold Ranger is an established character, and they have their super samurai mode. Well, as you can tell, in this episode, Shinkinger, the Gold Ranger's not a thing yet, and their super mode is not a thing yet. So that's like one of the weirdest adaptations of a samurai episode ever, because they have to come up with this stupid subplot where Antonio loses his morpher, so that explains why he doesn't uh, show up for the fight. Um, mm-hmm. And not only that, but uh, they do this weird edit where instead of the battle ending the way it does, apparently they wanted to make this the debut of Super Samurai Blue, so they film all this unnecessary original footage of Kevin transforming into the Super Mode, and then they... And then they have to create a really awkward Megazord battle where they, uh, you know, use where they have to combine it with Antonio's Megazord and all that. So, yeah, this is actually an episode that was kind of a precursor to just how bizarre some of Saban's decisions would be. And I know what I just spoke about this with Samurai, but yeah, I just wanted to point that out. That was a really weird decision that they made. I actually didn't know this. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't remember this. I, I mean, I've seen a lot of the key points of Samurai. I didn't watch it in its entirety, so I actually didn't know this. <laughs> but that does sound about up their alley, or how they handled mm-hmm. the season. Oh bad. Ugh. I hate it. Anything else you want to say? Samurai's hot garbage. Samurai's hot garbage, but but oh, this is an okay episode. I'm so glad 
this phrase has caught on for y'all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hashtag hashtag no, garbage. <laughs> Dude, this is the best phrase for the season so far. I don't know about Though, I will that, say but... <laughs> I, I will say though. I was so glad to get back into Sinkenzer after two weeks and decades. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I came back into this and I was like, okay, these are characters I care about for the most part. These are stories that make more sense than the garbage we got in decade. The fact that these came out at the same time breaks me. I know they were running along side one another well i mean it's just funny i know this isn't part of the review per se but the version of the episodes that i have and i think y'all have the same ones um the every episode subs. Be- yeah yeah with every episode begins with like yeah. that yeah mm-hmm. and so they also like a little preview of decade now and i'm like i don't want to remember decade stop <laughs> i want to forget about it oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was just—it's amazing to me that you know we had something that was sin cancer and it's not bad, and then we have decade, and that's the real hot garbage. Sorry, Taco, you're not hot garbage compared to that. Good. <laughs> they were making progress, guys. He's he's getting there. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm 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 with you. Like I am saying that Takaru is garbage. But decade is hot garbage. Does that sound better, Pat? Yes. <laughs> okay. I've only I've only seen about five episodes of decade, and I completely agree. Dude, decade was. <laughs> We're on a tangent right now, but that's okay because I gotta voice my opinions that decade is still garbage, even two weeks after we recorded it. Only thing I'm gonna say before we move on is I hate his outfit so much. When he's uh, Henson, do you mean? Yeah. Oh, dude, that was terrible. Paint barcode face. What an idiot. <laughs> it's a QR code, Pat. It's a QR code. I don't care. It's stupid. <laughs> I'm I'm making a joke. I don't care. <laughs> but it's a joke, and you're supposed to laugh at it. Not tell me you don't care about my joke. <laughs> this isn't how this works. Okay, are we done with this one? Okay. Get get on to your active yep, team. Here we go. Okay. I am going to try to speed through this a little bit because this episode and the next episode where most of the discussion is going to be here because this is sixth range of time, baby. So the episode starts with some very hyperactive dude entering the city with a sushi cart while the Shinkenger were called out to look for something that triggered their alert system, they didn't find anything, but Takaru noticed kind of like a a wind phantom creature that blew by him. So they run home to the Shiba house where an arrow gets shot through their window saying, coming soon on it. The Shinkenger have no idea what is going on because this is, for all they know, a threat. <laughs> But Takaru, at the same time, is freaking out over it. He can feel something that he can't see, and the others can't sense it either. 
So this whole time, this is bothering Takaru while the other four go out to try to figure out who shot that arrow. They went past this sushi cart that was handing out a flyer that had the same message written on in the same handwriting. So they jump him, trying to get information out of him, before he tricks him into eating spicy sushi and then bolts it Looney Tune style. And I'm not over-exaggerating when I say Looney Tune style. <laughs> he got out of there, bouncing off walls like a cartoon character. It is hilarious. So, Shake and uh, Kotoha start chasing him down the next day, while Takaru goes off to a holy or a sacred hot spring because the night before he was taking a bath and noticed that when he was underwater, uh, the feeling he was getting about the stalker monster, uh, he couldn't feel, he couldn't sense him as well. So he went to the to the spring to try to bait him out by disappearing into the water and forcing him out. So the others reconvene and get uh, demorphed. I'm not. I'm gonna say demorphed because I can't think of a Sentai equivalent term for this. And while they're down and out, about ready to kill shot, and here comes the sushi shop, throwing chopsticks at him. I think that's what those were anyway. He says he's been waiting for this moment for a long time. Pulls out his own phone, flips a disc on top of it, and changes into Shinken Gold. Um, brief pause here for a second. Costume talk. Gold with navy blue highlights? I love it. <laughs> I love that color combination so much. What do you guys think? Yeah, you know, when I was first looking at it, I uh, I had a little bit of an issue with it just because just I thought the black looked a little bit more badass. But the more I think about it, the more I feel like it suits who Gente is. You know, it makes him look a little bit more light. You know, it, it really does match the more lightheartedness of who he is. So I think it... I think it matches fine, and the gold parts are really sparkly, too. So I liked it. Not gonna, not gonna lie, the first couple of minutes that we had uh, Gente on screen and talking about his Susie Marford thing, I had flashbacks to uh, Ninens There's Gold with the hamburger phone. Oh, Star Ninja? <laughs> yeah. I had I had some flashbacks to that. And it was very disturbing for a little bit because they're both gold. They're both six rangers that invent their own powers in a way. You can look that up ourselves there, but yes. And yeah, you know what? The spoiler, whatever. And the henchin device is based off food. Yeah, it's just rice and the disc is the sushi on yeah. top of the rice. Yeah. <laughs> so that parallel was not lost on me. I think Gensa was the first one who had I had a what uh, morpher that was like based off food. Probably yep. is, but I saw it in the opposite order, remember? Right. Yeah, because seeing him in your first sushi change is a lot yeah. more it's a lot more uh, creative than the burger phone. That's actually really cool. How it is. Okay, as a Texan, I have to disagree with you. You know, you take a disc and you... It's like fish and you put it on top of the phone with just like rice. That's awesome. 
Look here <laughs> in Texas, we're all about them cheeseburgers that can help you handstand to ride your bull's door to work. I was not ready for you to say that, Riz. <laughs> <laughs> but me ninja sucks. <laughs> it does suck. I agree with you. That is the epitome of hot garbage right there because I can't stand anything about that season. <sighs> okay. Let, yeah. Let me finish this up until we get back to the non-ends. <laughs> so now that uh, he's in costume, uh, Ryosuke is kind of apologetic because he feels like he studied up enough. Like he's didn't know anything about a sixth ranger. Uh, Takaru doesn't know about him either. So he lands whips out his uh, new sword called the Sakamaru and uh, Yoi, is that how you pronounce the name of the sword style? Yai? I can't um, say it. It is an actual sword style. It is an actual sword style. Mm -hmm. um, for those of you who don't know, very uh, backhanded sheath on sheath style. And he starts tearing through the hordes at like lightning pace. Um, he's a bit reckless. We see that in his fighting styles. He's cutting down trees by accident. Um, but he clearly knows Takaru because when Takaru changes to save him, he's kind of acknowledges that he's gotten better. So Sink and Gold finishes him off. And when he grow, when he revives, they summon uh, Nagashinkano again. And they can't see him because he goes invisible, so he whips out his Inka or Squid Origami to try to fight him off by spraying him with ink to make him visible again, and they finish him off. Uh, afterward, he walks up to the with his uh, carton toe, and Takuru remembers him and acknowledges him as Genta. Uh, Genta immediately jumps on him awkwardly to the confusion of the others. And it ends there. He is, compared to the rest of the cast, he is extremely... Absolutely. But, but, yeah. <laughs> and this is for the discussion next episode, <laughs> he is honestly probably one of the best handled six strangers we're going to see. Um, but his introduction is definitely a spectacle. Because when he first changed, he wanted to be a showstopper. That's kind of how he was implying. And he kind of was. This is a one of the best Six Ranger introductions in Sentai, in my opinion. Indeed. I will heavily agree with you here. Yeah, so will I. I think it's... Uh, really? I think it's uh, pretty good. I think... Uh, well, first of all, I think Shink and Gold's theme song is pretty cool. The fight... Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. Other than, right, other than that, it's a pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, can't really say anything else. Genta is awesome. Uh, Anthony, you want to <laughs> say anything? So I really, really, really like Genta. Like he is just like so full of energy. He's very like funny. I'm. Remember, like, laughing my ass off all the times he made those funny faces. His, he's just like, huh? What? Oh, <laughs> Why? His, his overreacted 
his overacted reaction phases are just pure mean to Right. <laughs> like, you cannot hate Gantu. Like, like that you... face he made when he realized it. Like, like that, that face he made when he saw the note shot on the arrow in Mako's hand. Mm. Was, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and like, let me just say this. You if can, I... like, you can... You can find him annoying, but, like, you cannot hate him. If I'm having a discussion with somebody who says, comic relief sixth grade just don't work and they're stupid, Genta is Exhibit A for the counter-argument for that. Genta is Exhibit A. Because of the six strangers I've seen, so I've seen Gokai Silver, I've seen Genta... I've seen Orange Tokuzer and Gold Ninzer and all the Kia Razors and GoBusters stuff, but I gotta say, the most interesting Six Ranger is this one so far. Yeah, because this is gonna be leading into this discussion for the next episode, but he he throws a much needed uh, dynamic in the established uh, yeah. team. Badly and it's needed. greatly <laughs> and it's greatly needed. Yeah. Um I think it's time to talk about yeah. it so that we yeah. can get into it. We're gonna move into uh, episode eighteen, uh Samurai promotion. Uh Rizwan, you're up. Okay. So this is Act eighteen, as Nathan said, the Samurai promotion. This part to the Ginta Act. Um so this episode begins with Z revealing that Genta is Takaru's childhood friend whose dad owned a sushi cart in the area. And they'd often play together. Um, which really annoys Z because Genta distracted Takaru from all the samurai training he should be doing and um, he was a bad influence on him, according to Z anyway. Um, and when Genta arrives at the mansion, formally asking, hey, I want to join the Sinkensers, uh, Takaru starts to remember everything, including training Genta in the samurai arts when they were kids and secretly giving him an origami before he left town, which Genta used to make his powers. And he studied um, the origami and ended up making his own electronic mozzicata and sushi themed weapon because I guess it's a family thing to have um, have sushi in their like life in some way. So if he's not going to be a cart owner like his dad, might as well incorporate it in his Sentai outfit somewhere. Makes sense, right? Um, but so Z for- formally tells him, no, you can't join the Sinkansers. You're, it's too dangerous for you. You're not formally trained by us. Um, and he takes the Ducey Changer away. And Takaru, I will say he's hot garbage here, but I'm going to amend it later. Uh, being hot garbage agrees again that Ginta's help is not needed. And he sends him away. Um, after another attack by the Ayakasi, Mako and Takaru have what is probably my favorite scene in Sin Kinder so far. Um, 
Mako confronts Tucker and says, you can't be serious right now that you would turn away your friend. This is your childhood friend we're talking about, and you're just afraid of him being around us. And Tucker, he tries to stay strong and say, no, you're, you're wrong, but he, he really struggles here a lot. And this is the first... I mean, okay, so I know we had some development in episode 11, 12, but it, it's here that we truly see Takaru in a different light. Um, he's, he's being told by his team, it's okay to be weak. It's okay to have fun and have friends. And dear God, I wish these guys told him this in day one. Because he really needed to hear that. And, like, he's not going to be weak for accepting their help either, which is the entire reason I've been calling him hot garbage the entire time. Because if you remember, Pat, from the last review we did, my biggest thing against him was in that episode where he went off and created his weapon on his own with no help from his team, didn't even consult him or anything. That was my entire argument against him. So... Having them finally get the balls to say, no, screw you. You need to learn to trust your team more and sow your feelings more and accept your childhood friend into the team. That's huge to me. Especially more so that Takaru is starting to break about it. That 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 is that is what we needed here. Um so the next time we have uh, Ayakasi attack, Taku returns to CC Changer and allows him to join the team formally. And they do this awesome uh, six-way morph with everyone morphing. And he's even included in, in the banners. And it's actually quite funny because he has a part where they don't properly have the banner <laughs> behind him because they're not used to it, I guess. And they had to correct yeah. it. I thought that was hilarious. It was great. So the episode ends typically with them defeating the enemy and they all end up back at the CC cart and they're just talking and he admits that he liked seeing Takaru's other side when Genta's around. And look, I'm going to echo G here. I like this a lot. Because... Takaru is hot garbage because he can't trust his team. He doesn't want to be exposed, and he wants to be this cold, non-caring individual that has no personality and no redeeming qualities. And he's starting to show his vulnerabilities here. And I greatly appreciate seeing that. Yeah, it's... Which is... Kind of going back to what I was saying when we were talking about the previous episode, again, to throws in that that dynamic of familiarity, because yeah, he said Genta's his childhood friend that he, in the flashbacks we saw them have a very, very close bond with one another, and yeah, Takaru had kind of grown up in this in this mentality of I don't want to burden people with risking their lives for me and he's shaken that off a little bit 
he seems more welcoming to have the other four around him. But now Gant is here to just loosen him up in general. And I love, like, you mentioned that scene where him and Mako was kind of calling him out for it. That scene of when she kind of beats him in the sparring match and gives him that that smirk of point proven is yeah so good <laughs> and and that's what i'm that's what i meant earlier when i said he doesn't outright say yeah i agree with you but you can tell mm-hmm. he wants to agree with her like it's not because his character is not going to suddenly go from this cold-hearted person to yeah i agree with everything you're saying there's a middle ground you got to find here and that's the middle ground yeah. is that he's he's trying so hard to keep this act of i guess professionalism up but the rest of the team is starting to catch on the fact that he is holding himself back hard by doing yeah that. genta is the thing that's going to help kind of liven everything up and like I said, this is this is the dynamic. This is why I like Genta so much because I've seen a handful of Sentai where the Sixth Ranger is either some ancient warrior who has ties to the team, but none of them know who he is, or just some random person who stumbles across them and happens to have the same abilities they do. And no, no, there's more ties to them with him, and it's not just oh god, edgy, edgy dude doesn't like red and at least to some conflict like go on go on gold was versus go on red and stuff like this is progressing the team forward instead of adding some useless conflict like most six rangers have had and i like that about him i really do yeah No, I, I think this is the part where we start to see Takaru become not terrible. He's growing a little bit here, and I like seeing it a lot. Yeah, like I think I think um, my only issue with I mean, with well, I mean, I, well, my only issue with this was like you know, G taking you know Gensa's you know. Sushi changer and it's like, dude, like he you may not want him to join the shikatures, but that's still his property. He still made that. Sure say what you like he she, he may have took the 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 uh the origami, but like that's his that's his changer. Like don't like you can't just take take my property yeah. like that. That's just not cool to me. Well, I mean, I get why he took it, because he was trying to protect Takaru. I mean, Z has always been the one to say, we got to do everything we can to help. Right. And, you know, all of the samurai legacy and everything. So if he's trained for years, because he's an old dude. Well, he's not old, old, but you get yeah. the point. Like, he's set in his ways. He He's not going to just easily budge because, you know... So I get why he thought Gen- What? I'm sorry, uh, you can go ahead. I was gonna see, but I was like, go ahead, you're fine. No, go go for it. What were we gonna no, say? No, what I was gonna say was the fact that like they need all the help they can get. It's like from my perspective, it's someone who like watches this and just is like 
these Akashi are not like gonna just just gonna just walk up and just give up. They're gonna need all the help they can get. It's just I'm just I'm just trying to I yeah. feel like you like realistically we can't just be denying help if we are if we're getting it. You know, is that's my problem. I get the reason behind it is just my personal thing is like, dude, we need more help. If the more shikinders we have, the better our turnout is gonna be to winning, fighting, beat these things, you know? Yeah, but on the other hand, but I get what you're you don't saying, want though. every little hillbilly that comes up with your suit. No, know? I get it. I just don't... You want to make sure that they're trained yeah. in the same way. So I, I get I you're wrong. why it's like that. I, I, I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I, I see what you're saying. I'm just saying that, you know, I... In this case, I support Z. Yeah, I think we both agree. Like, if we both like, there's there's both sides, you know, to this. So it's not just oh, like, you know, I'm yeah. right or you're right or I'm wrong, you're wrong. It's just we're both right. We're both also like seeing it from different perspectives. Now, so here's my fear going forward with the character Takaru. So Genta's here now, and we have this glimmer of hope that we'll see Takaru grow up and evolve and stop being hot garbage. But my fear is that whatever he has going on right now, like whatever he's growing, he's going to close it off again and go back to being closed off and standoffish and all that stuff. And like two episodes or something. That's my fear. Right. Like I don't know if it's gonna stick yet. So, mm-hmm. um, like I have I have this strong feeling that maybe by like episode twenty five he'll go back to being a prick for a while. I mean, occasionally, because he still is his, I guess approach together but he he does start opening up more. and I mean you could see him opening up even before Genta came I mean the one of the lines that Mako said that really struck a chord with me was we like that you've been kind of opening up lately but you've kind of clammed down again we don't like that that was a really powerful line for Mako to say mm-hmm because he had been opening up a little bit. He hadn't just been this closed off jackass. I mean, yeah, he still had his moments of, man, screw this guy. But overall, there were moments when we could say, okay, he's he's trying to at least be sociable, which is something. I mean, he's not, he's still not giving off the qualities of a good red. Um, in that he's, you know, learning to be a team player, but at least he's taken the steps to try. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense to y'all. That makes sense. So yeah, this is why I wanted this episode with the other one. (laughs) Because the other one, to me, would be be boring for me to talk about in comparison. I mean, this this is a very important episode in the series. 
it's a hole, so I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. But do you have any other thoughts about this before we move on to Nathan? No, we're good. The other thing I want to say is that uh, this has one of the funniest moments in the entire show where Genta is talking about joining the team and uh, like he says, like, all right, let me join you. And then G says, no. And then Genta's like, right, no. Huh? No? <laughs> yeah, it's one of the funny. funniest moments in the whole series. Dude, Genta as, tried so hard. As as a reaction, like his reactions are just gold. Pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> oh, you can't look at this. Eh, I've had you for this long. Why don't we next up? Uh... We'll be doing an episode uh, 19, Learning the Samurai Disposition. Uh, this is mostly a filler episode, although a couple of important things happen. Um, so in this episode, now, first of all, a as it begins, uh, we, um, Ginta introduces, um, <clears throat> he introduces everyone to an, to an origami that he made himself through his own electronic mojikara called the Ebi Origami. It's a gold lobster-like origami, which, uh, by the way, is a pretty cool touch. Um, in the uh, in Samurai, they actually have it so that uh, that like the claw zord was had always been a zord, and Antonia was just repairing it. But uh, in uh, in uh, in Samurai, they actually have it so that Genta actually makes the uh, Ebi origami, which is a really cool touch. I like that better. Um, but anyway, uh, basically in this episode, uh, Ryunosuke is, you know, gets into a bit of a feud with Genta because he doesn't want to acknowledge Genta as a samurai uh, because he doesn't think that Genta is a true samurai. And Genta wants to Ryunosuke to accept him, so he starts, so he dresses up like a Kuroko and starts following Ryunosuke around. Um. We see that Ryunosuke is like a really disciplined person. Like he has every one of his days carefully planned out to the very second, which is insane. Um, the two encounter uh, Shitari, uh, one of the leading ghetto Shu, and another Ayakashi uh, in the forest. This is probably the, uh, this is the first time I think they meet uh, Shitari. By the way, I know they've met Dayu already. Um, but not Shitari. Um, they uh, they get cut off from the other Shinkingers, but then they come together and they're able to uh, defeat the Ayakashi. Um, so this is one of those standard filler episodes. I, I've point, I pointed this out in our Tokyo review, and I pointed it out in our <clears throat> Gokaiju review. This is just uh, an obligatory episode that comes with the Sixth Ranger debut, you know. In this episode, you meet the Sixth Ranger, debut as a character, and they either get their powers for the first time or, or they already have their powers. They show up, they do some flashy stuff, and then episode over. Next episode, you learn a little bit more about their backstory and them joining the team. It's either they're a loner that doesn't want anything to do with the Rangers, or they want to join the Rangers, and then someone is like, no, you suck, get out. Um, and then at the end, uh, they join, and then 
you have the obligatory filler episode where one of the core rangers has an issue with the um with uh with the new sixth ranger um i put you know and and you can look at a bunch of different sentai and i pointed this out in tokyuger and uh and uh gokaiger I think this is one of the better ones, though, because I think, uh, you know, I don't really mind these filler episodes as long as you can uh, come up with a reasonable, uh, like, a really natural feud. And it works perfectly with Ryunosuke, because, you know, Ryunosuke has been taught by the book, and he has this real, you know, formal training. So he would naturally probably be rejecting of Ginta. Hell, he was actually pretty rejecting of Ginta in the past already. So, yeah, I think it works. Um, aside from that, though, nothing really important happens, but it's still a pretty, uh, still a pretty good filler episode, just fitting into the category of uh, the episodes I just pointed out, if that makes sense. The, the conflict in this episode, not only is it totally in character for both of them, but... It's so funny because they're the two most animated members of the team. So them getting in each other's faces is just brimming with comedic potential. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 hilarious. And it, him dressing up as one of the, the house keeps spying on Rio's as they go around is is it's something he he would do totally. It, it's it's a it's a fun little bonding episode that's more on the comedic side. There's nothing more to it than that, really. Yeah. Yeah. I I will say that maybe it's my nitpickiness about it, but we didn't we didn't really get anything new about Ryunosuke. Like, and I know we we had mentioned earlier, Nate, that you know we get more of his meticulous schedule and his life and what he does in his daily routine, but. I feel like we implicitly knew that from before. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. Not this in depth, but... I mean, I, I say implicitly because we don't know exactly what it was, but we had the idea in our minds already that, yeah, okay, this guy probably does all the things that we were seeing him do here. Like, we already knew all this, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's still weird. It's just a, it's a validation, yeah. <laughs> It's what? It's still weird to see it all in action, though. Like, I'm, this man is that timely with everything. Like, we knew that Ryosuke was kind of a perfectionist and a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, by the, um, by the, um, by the books or the type of guy or? Yeah. Something like that, yeah, by the books as can be, but seeing him be like this strict about it is kinda creepy. <laughs> I mean I can see I that, mean, yeah. He, he had a he has a bit of an unhinged feeling to him. <laughs> <laughs> uh Anything else you guys want to say about this episode? Um, um, I was no. gonna say that. <laughs> <What>? Um, 
I think that like if this was a kind of a good episode for like uh, two Rangers who might not get along at first, like kind of like maybe get to know each other better. Um, because I can kind of like see like I guess because however how crazy Rinosuke is with this, with this like you know discipline and all that stuff, I can see why like the others are kind of like. Yeah, hold up. Wait a minute. Something right here. <laughs> if he's even late, even one, like two, one, two minutes, he did just like, okay, something's definitely up. And that's, that kind of shows you that, like, maybe they, they do trust each other and they maybe, like, they know when one of the comrades might be in trouble. It kind of, like, shows you, like, hey, like, they actually do pay attention to what their comrades do. Mm hmm. Because I know it had been anybody else, they probably, they probably would have been like, oh, well, it's just, it's Chiaki, so he's going to be, be late, because obviously he's going to be late, so. Because it's him, they just know something definitely. That's all I got to say. Alright, well, then we'll move on to Act 20, the Ebi Origami's transformation. Uh, Anthony? You'll be, uh, this will be the last episode we're covering in this video, guys. So, uh, go ahead, Anthony. Take it away. Well, it's Kotoha's birthday! And the others are basically trying, like, to figure out, um, like, how to make a surprise party. They're planning, like, you know, getting the cake. And just gonna get all the food. It's gonna be freaking amazing. But an Ayakashi has to ruin it because immediately this Ayakashi has like the weirdest and creepiest looking one of them all. He has like these like red ball like uh, body parts that like they they, they have like hand, like mouths coming out of them, and like he splits apart and he's just he just steals people he steals people's souls. So like he's, he's one hand that opens up and just takes people's souls out of their mouths and just like he eats them. And he got my girl. It, it was painful to see. I was like, no, not my, not my baby. No, she's too precious. And so basically what it is is that like this Ayakashi basically told him straight up like, hey, if you guys don't kill me before like, the next day and I don't come out, these people are going to die. Like there's no saving them. And I'm going to be in the Tansy River the whole time, so bye. And, like, they're, the Shikinjers are just trying, like, to, like, figure out what they're going to do because if they don't get this, this Ayakashi to come out and kill it, like, people are going to die. Especially Kodaha, because Kodaha, you know, is, you know, the pre our precious, our precious Kodaha. Like, you know, like, they really were trying to figure out what they should do. Even that's the point where even Juzo comes and you can tell him, like, hey, here's an idea. If you guys become um, Gidoshu, you can hear the Defensive River and you can you know, go and uh, fight that Wanakashi you, like, you, you want to kill. And they actually contemplated on actually joking him. They're like, oh, yeah, well, we would totally be down for becoming Ghetto just to save her because that's, that's Kodaha. That's our, you know, She's our youngest and she's our precious. We're not letting this girl be, go die. But Genta always coming up with something new. He, he is just like one of the best characters for this. 
So this this guy basically was able to get use his uh Mojikara uh onto the monster and was able to like connect it with uh his Ebi Origami so that whenever they um add Mojikara to Ebi Origami and make it grow and grow and grow and grow, it would lure out the Akashi that was um that was trying to trying to leave and like stay in the Sensu River until everybody died. And they it was just beautiful because like they ended up getting this this guy out and uh, he can't split apart because the same Mojikara symbol that that gets used on him, preventing him preventing him preventing him from uh splitting apart and getting away because of uh Eborgami. So as long as Eborgami's there, then he can't split apart. And they would they were actually this is the first debut of Eborgami's um mecha. And Genta, you know, finally he's able to have his own mecha. He fought and was able to kill the Akashi before the next day uh, ended. So it was a nice happy ending. Uh, the birthday celebration went off a hitch. You know, Kosa had her birthday party and she was just feeling like, you know, on cloud nine. Um, but before that, I think she was like feeling bad about, you know, being the one that was caught in the uh, Akashi attack. And she felt like she, you know, let them all down, and she and, we, and it just, it was just very emotional for everybody. So this was definitely a very good episode. So, what are your thoughts on it? I actually, uh, I, I really like this episode. Actually, I think, uh, I think the thing that stands out to me is that Chiaki and you know just how determined he was to get Kotoha. I think that really speaks to their relationship. Mm-hmm. That's actually a really powerful moment for me. Um, and, you know, it's this is kind of a Kotoha episode, and any episode that she plays a big role in is automatically gold, because as we know, Kotoha must be protected. Um, All time. But, uh, yeah, so th- this is a pretty good episode, actually. Uh, I, I really enjoy it, and it's... Uh, Pretty cool debut for Agentes Dakayo, which is awesome, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's all I have to say. What about the rest of you? Yeah, I mean, not really much else to say. You know, it's it, it's, yeah. it's nice. To, it's nice to kind of see the lengths they're willing to go for each other already. Because at the start, these they weren't on sync all that well in like the first like five or so episodes but they've come a long way in a short mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. so uh, Riz no y'all y'all covered it pretty well I don't have anything else to really add or comment on here No one gonna mention the cliffhanger. Oh yeah! All right. Uh, do I have to? <laughs> well, we've mentioned we've we mentioned it. No. Come on, guys. Yeah, yeah. it didn't I happen. Guess, I guess I have to talk about it. <sighs> so okay. during the whole thing, it's so, I'm so I'm going to just do it because it's, it's so far it's still technically part of the, the episode review. <sighs> Gento walks outside, 
And he knows that if every origami has been stolen, not exactly, no, was it? Eco origami. Eco origami. Eco origami has been taken by a very familiar face that me, Nathan, and Riz know. Daiki from Common Rider Decade. He's here, and he basically took his took Gensis basically one uh, part of his neck, and he's like, "Hey, who are you? What are you doing?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm just a comrade passing through." He's like, "Common Rider, what's that?" And he's like, "You need to find out, boss." And so now he's about to chase Jaiki to get his Lord Johnny back. I'm just like, no. <laughs> This was the part we read the most about. Two into a completely different show. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, why did you do this? I'll leave you three to handle that mess. I'm I'm stepping yeah. away from this. Yeah. <laughs> Can I leave it to these two and step away as well? That'd be nice. <laughs> well, that's another it's thing so for bad. another time. I yeah. Thank God. I've actually done it because I I felt it was in my need to, and it, there was like there was no point in this. <laughs> There's literally no point in this. No. Is this... No decade is just bad. Yeah. Like seeing how I'm not gonna be there for that video was this the. First time that there was ever like a a cohesive Sentai Kamen Rider crossover. I think so, uh, at least in the Heisei mm -hmm. era, because um, I've seen I've seen all I've seen basically every Sentai uh, all the way through that uh, aired in the Heisei era, along with the Heisei era Kamen Riders, um, which uh, mm -hmm. is like which started way back when a uh, Time Ranger was airing, so. I believe so, um, and I could only think of uh, one other time where they did it. Like they had a brief one where uh, the Neen Ninjas crossed over with uh, Drive and a uh, and a mock, yeah, mock, um, and uh, and then of course there's the superhero Tyson movies, which started off as a Super Sentai versus Common Rider movie series before it eventually just turned into a Common Rider thing but uh but yeah this is probably the first time that uh that sentai's done a common rider crossover it, it's legitimately surprises me that go ranger and uh ichigo never had a yeah right you would think it is interesting isn't it? back in the day oh yeah what's uh um you know, we should probably talk briefly. Uh, we've already kind of gotten our uh, early impressions of uh, Genta out of the way. Um, do we want to make any more comments on, like, how far, uh, on, like, any character developments that the characters have gone through? Or, you know, do you have anything else you want to add? Uh, I mean, there's really not much to talk about other than Takaru, because the other four didn't really have anything that kind of pushed him forward outside of Mako with like one episode. So yeah. there's mostly been like a a Takaru driving batch of episodes and Gento yeah. because he's new and we've basically said everything we needed to say on that. Yeah. So I don't think so. 
No, I mean, I'm good for the moment. The only thing I'll add in is Tucker's hot garbage and we'll move on for the moment. Gosh. More things. It'll, tr it'll become a term of endearment at some point. <laughs> what? The more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah. <laughs> Look, it'll it'll go from an insult to a term of endearment. Man, now there's a part of me that wished mm. I was here for the Kaiser reviews because I would have driven you this crazy with Captain Marvelous. <laughs> <laughs> we invited you to come. You I know. Do but it. if I knew you were going to do this, I would have been there to insult Marvelous and his overrated butt all up and down. I mean. I would have taken it. I've been like, okay, cool. I, I, I can don't see what care you're about people. I don't care about this planet. I don't care about. I have to sacrifice yeah. the major keys to get what you're saying. But I care now. No, you don't. Shut up, <laughs> <laughs> idiot. Yeah, I'll say it now. I hate the Go Kaisers. All six of them. Dang. All of them. Wow. <laughs> Damn, son. You they hate don't so. Develop. None of them develop. Yeah, they do. No, they don't. They kind of do, actually. Yeah. A sudden character shift in the penultimate episode is not character development. I'm sorry. <laughs> it it was pretty gradual throughout. If you rewatched it, eh, maybe in due time. But my I, I would okay. So I would say the first time I watched Go Kaiser, I agree with you. Hundred percent agree with you the first time. The rewatch that I did with these two last year and this year, I completely changed my mind on that. Yeah, well, I'll get to it when I get to it. I do. Yeah, that'll be in a couple of years, isn't it? Yeah, because I want to watch every sentai leading into it, so it'll yeah. be a while just so I get the full effect. <laughs> okay, well, we got nothing else to comment on. Uh, we could just wrap this up. Uh, although, Riz, uh, what are your Seeing as you're the one person who's never seen Shinkinder before, what are your thoughts with the show as it progresses now? Like, do you still think that it's hot garbage or is it becoming better? Okay, so it's it's hard to say, really, because so Takura's had in total one really good episode out of 20 where I can see a character I like. And the negatives of Takaru have been weighing down the really good stuff I like in Sin Kinder so far a lot. Because look, if you're if you're gonna talk about a Super Sentai, the thing that everyone will first look at is not the blue, not the green, not the pink. They're gonna look at the red. Uh -huh. And they're going to see how the red is, and they're going to judge the entire thing off. I mean, look at us. Do we ever say, God, I loved Zeo because of Rocky? Or do I, have you ever said, like, man, I really enjoyed In Space because of Cassie? Oh, yeah. No, you're going to talk about Andrew. I mean, first. I enjoyed Cassie because of Cassie. First, right? like, that's... Me. And... right, but. But that's not the first thing you're going to say. True. If I ask you, if I ask you on the spot right now, favorite character in In Space, who is Andros? It? Most memorable Andros. character in In Space. Say it. Yeah. Andros. Yeah. Okay, that's the point. The red is always going to be the thing 
to draw a Sentai together. And this red hasn't really been a red yet, in my opinion. Um, he's he's trying to be a red, but he's not a very good one. And that's been really difficult on me to say, yeah, this is it's fantastic. It's the best thing I've seen because it's not yet. And, you know, y'all are telling me at some point in the future it will be. But I will say there is improvement. But it hasn't become the thing that you guys have been hyping up for all these years that, oh, this is the thing. Nothing will top it. Haven't gotten there yet. Well, it's progress, at least. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll say one thing about that real quick. I'm not it's not going to be like a little shut up ruse. It's that point that you're saying about, oh, you look at the red immediately and you think, well, that's that's the guy right there. I like that Shin Kendra chose to take a risk on not making the Red Ranger the goody-goody two-shoe, iconic, look-up-to-him-immediately type of person that just about every other their Sentai and Power Rangers season tries to. That's literally the same reason why Andros is my favorite Power Ranger, because he wasn't like perfect. He had to kind of grow into that leadership role, mm-hmm. just like Takaru is. Granted, it's it's from a different perspective, and the reasons for why he needs to grow into it are different, but him being that standout of having to earn the color red is part of the appeal, honestly, because a lot of people are, have talked about Andros the same way you're talking about Takaru right now. I've seen people trash Andros before because they didn't like him early in the season. Yeah, yeah, but that's part of the appeal to me. So, like, my I mean, Reds in the respective series are my favorites for almost the same reason. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay, well, if that's all that we really have to say, uh, <clears throat> uh, we, we hope you guys uh, enjoyed this video. Uh, next time, uh, we will be, um, when we return, we'll be kind of doing a bit of a special thing where we cover the whole crossover event with uh, Shane Kinger. We're going to have to be watching, uh, like... <clears throat> We're going to include some of the decade episodes in there, uh, just to uh, you know, just to make it a bit uh, smoother. So uh, we'll be t- taking a look at that. Then once we got that out of the way and we have decade all finished up, we'll just jump right back into Shinkinger and finish it up. Um. But with that being said, uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this video. Uh, Please be sure to like us um, on Instagram, Twitter, and uh, Facebook on the social media places. Uh, check us out on uh, AnimeSecrets.org. Um, if you have any comments uh, that you'd like to make or any uh, suggestions you'd like to see us cover here on the podcast, please be sure to comment down below. Um, please like this video if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel, please subscribe. And uh, Once again, we hope you guys enjoyed this video, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. So, see you. Bye.